0: Welcome to the Thriving Solopreneur Show, where you learn the stories and systems that have turned hardworking, self-employed business owners like yourself into highly successful, leisurely entrepreneurs. This show is dedicated to those who went into business for themselves because they had an idea or suggestion that ignited their passions to do more, to do it better, and to solve a problem in our community. Whether your business started in a basement, a garage, or at a kitchen table, this episode will bring to you a system, a tip, or an entrepreneur that has been where you are and can guide you to living the fulfilling life you desire for yourself. Here's your host and serial solopreneur, Janine Bolan.
1: Hi, this is Janine Bullam with The Thriving Solopreneur, and today I am so lucky I have with me not only an author, but also a self-made man, definitely one of those people that you want to follow if you are in business for yourself. His name is Bill Cates. His most recent book is Radical relevance, how to sharpen your marketing message, and cut through the noise. Basically, this is the man that can help you find the ideal client. He is recognized as the client acquisition expert. He's a highly sought-after speaker. He was elected by his peers into the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame. Bill has delivered his high impactful energy message on six continents to more than half a million professionals, executives, and business owners. The other thing that's wonderful about Bill is the fact that this is not his first book. This is his third. He has Get More Referrals Now, Don't Keep Me a Secret, and Beyond Referrals. So I'm holding in my hand today the fourth book, Radical Relevance. So if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, I cannot stress how important it is that you get to know Bill just a little bit better, even if it's just by his book. So thank you for joining us today, Bill. I appreciate it.
2: Janine, thank you, and just so uh, make sure everybody heard you correctly. It's not Bill Gates.
1: Oh, it's
2: Bill Gates with a C. With uh, well, a he, he, C. He, yeah. So here, here's the deal. Bill Gates has a lot of money, uh, and he's been pretty generous with that money. Bill Gates, that's me. I, I'm going to help you make more money. How's that sound?
1: And also very generous with your time, I might add, which is very, very valuable to people like myself who have these podcast shows and want to spread the message a little bit more. Mm. For thriving solopreneurs, most people see them as just bootstrappers. But if Mm. you don't mind, I'd like you to explain just a little bit how you got started with your cookbooks and how you started with an idea and realized you needed to build that idea. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about the beginning.
2: Don't mind at all. Uh, We're going way back though. So um, where to start? Well, let me, let me start from the, kind of the beginning. Um, I was in a job that I didn't want to be doing for the rest of my life. I just bet everybody can relate to that. And I saw an ad in a magazine and the title of the ad was, it was one of the advertorials they call them, right? So it was a, it was an ad, but it really looked like an article. And it was uh, dollars in your mailbox. I'll never forget that phrase, dollars in your mailbox. I'm thinking, well, who doesn't want that, right? And this is before the internet. So this is going back a little bit. And it, it was about selling information through the mail, just as people now sell information on the internet. Same principles at hand, by the way, uh, it was it, it through the mail. So I actually ended up writing a book on airline careers. And I learned how... Uh, direct response mail works. I put ads in the back of little magazines, you know, little ads in the back of magazines. And I just, I learned a lot. I I learned that I, number one, I sold more books at a higher price than at a lower price because the perceived value was more, right? And so that led to publishing some other books for some other people. And then eventually I started a, a book publishing company. And my first book was a book, around strawberries. And I, I, I came to that book because uh, a woman asked me to help her with a strawberry cookbook. She was selling it at Pick Your Own Strawberry Farms. <clears throat> and she was selling, I don't know, a few hundred a year and wanted a little help. Well, she kind of picked my brain and didn't pay me. And, um, you know, my competitive spirit got uh, <laughs> peaked a little bit. And and I said, you know, I bet you I could do an even better job. So I found someone to write a book and I uh, I called uh, all the states, and I determined there are about 1,500 pick-your-own-strawberry farms around the country, and I produced a cookbook to sell at the farm stand. And the first year, I sold about 15,000 books, and the second year, I sold about 20,000 books, and and I'm thinking, all right, uh, strawberry season on the short side, let's go with a longer season. That'd be apples. Okay. So we did an apple cookbook, sold about 30,000 the first year. Um, <clears throat> then we rounded out with a honey cookbook and a vegetable cook. I was selling like 80,000 books a year, all sparked from this idea from this woman that wanted me, you know, the helper with this little strawberry cookbook. And from there, we got into other books, and I did books for manufacturing companies that uh, manufactured grills and smokers. And I did a, a book for American greeting cards one Christmas that they sold in you know greeting card stores. And my biggest sale was uh, from uh, <clears throat> Bumblebee Tuna, ordered 400,000 copies of one of my seafood cookbooks. And they use that as a giveaway in grocery stores as a premium, they call it the to sell more canned tuna. So uh, it, it was quite a little enterprise for a while that I, I eventually sold.
1: But one of the things that I, I really loved about this is okay, I was a Midwestern kid that sold earthworms to bait shops. That's how <laughs> I started. Okay. <laughs> so so I have a fondness for how did you start in business? And you hmm. learn that very quickly that some of this work is super hard. And if you can replicate yourself and if you can do more and have other people do the selling for you, that's even even better. But um, so thank Without you. Without question, you so, yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing that with I appreciate it. But one of the things I I really wanted to bring home for folks is that when you buy his uh, Bill Cates recent book, Radical (laughs) Relevance, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, you don't just get a book, you actually have tied this in with a short course, and you have even more resources. So if you're a real do it yourself, or as most solopreneurs are, uh, this book comes with its own course. Would you talk to us a little bit about why you decided to develop a course and a book because it's just loaded with free stuff for people.
2: Mm, thank you. Yeah. So <clears throat> writing the book, first of all, when you write a book, especially a, a nonfiction book, you know, y- you got to figure out what is the problem that the book solves. Uh, and it's so funny because when I first started writing the book, I wasn't even thinking that way, even though I knew better. And one of my colleague says, all right, Bill, what, what is the, you know, we're, we're working on a subtitle. He says, what is the problem the book solves? I said, well, it's mostly, Cutting through the noise, right? It's just so hard to reach people and, and be relevant to them. So they'll listen to what you have to say. And and so that ended up being the subtitle, Sharpen Your Marketing Message, Cut Through the Noise, Win More Ideal Clients. And so that's the problem, right? Cutting through the noise, reaching people, and getting not just clients but ideal clients. And so uh, I started writing, and I was collecting so much information. I was just – you know, I, I research. I'm a liberal arts major, so I learned how to learn – and I ended up with so much information. I couldn't put it all in the book because the book would be too big and and no one would read it. And that wouldn't do anybody any good, right? If, if nobody reads the book, you, you need people to read the book. That's where the book ends up helping you when people read it. And so what I decided to do is have people register the book. And I got this idea from another colleague of mine. That's the the value of collaborating and study groups and mastermind groups. And so in the first few pages in the book says register the book, and then you will gain access to the radical relevance toolkit. And so it allowed me to provide all that information at no extra charge to the reader. But what it does for me from, you know, a business standpoint is I get people to come into my world and I get to help them. And then some of those folks are looking for other ways, uh, you know, to, to work together And so it allowed me to give great information without creating too big a book and and then continue the relationship with the reader. So uh, at this point, we have about seven, eight hundred people. It's not a huge amount of people that that have uh, done that with the book. Um, And actually coming up in a few months, we're going to do a special coaching call just for people who have registered the book with the Radical Relevance Toolkit. And so they're going to get a little extra insight. They're going to be able to ask me questions. And just so you know, from a business standpoint, how does that work for me as a business uh, person? Well, uh, some of those people will be interested in coaching and other types of work that we can do together. And so that's how I monetize that sort of engagement with people. I keep bringing value and, you know, the cream, if you will, rises to the top in that regard.
1: And that's one of the things I'm incredibly grateful for because I've been writing back when it was called the vanity publishing because mm-hmm. I couldn't get a publisher oh, yeah. interested so yeah. you know I had to start off with uh self-publishing in that time and now I have seen where it really has taken off where content oh, yeah. is king but the other yeah. interesting aspect of it is the fact that when you do build a course around it then it allows your ideal clients to kind of get a feel for you and so you can be safe and you talk about that a lot in that you've got to make sure that your client feels like they're moving into a safe space and uh, on page 42 of the hardcover version they Mm -hmm. have your seven steps to a complete value proposition and Mm -hmm. we have if you've done any kind of marketing you hear this so much about what is your value what is your value how are you presenting this and one of the things that i really enjoyed was when you were quoting bring all things if you try to be all things to all people you'll have a race to the bottom and I had heard something similar but never quite stated that way and I just wanted you to chat a little bit about when you're first starting out and you are so desperate to become profitable (laughs) how do you keep yourself from racing to the bottom because you know you just want a client any client to uh, acknowledge you.
2: Well, you you do, and and look, when when we first start out in business, you know, sometimes we we don't always do it right, or sometimes we take on clients that aren't the right match for us. It's just it's it's the nature of the beast. Um, so I'm not going to judge anybody negatively for that. But what we do want to do is is try to be as narrow as we can in terms of who we're trying to serve as long as that universe of those people is big enough, right? It's got to be big enough. Otherwise we can't stake our business or career in it. But uh, when we think narrow rather than expansive in certain ways with our market, our product to the market, then what happens is our messaging becomes more relevant. What we, what we talk about and how we display empathy for their situation Resonates with them, you know. the 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 challenge is when people are building a website or they're creating marketing materials. They go, "Well, we don't want to leave out these people, and what about these folks? Could be, you know, prospects for us too." And and so they kind of expand that tent, and then they water down the messaging. So if you want to have more than one target, that's fine. Just make sure that each message is geared towards each target, and you're not trying to use one set of messaging for everybody because odds are you're just not going to say the thing you need to say to get them to be interested.
1: And that comes along with, well, what do I say over and over again? When <laughs> when sure. I have been working with clients, uh, it's over and over. They're like, okay, so Janine, you keep telling me to get on the phone and talk to people. You know, I still use I still use old school of get on the phone and talk to people, find out where they are so that you can move on with your business. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. A lot of people don't know how to talk to prospects and they don't know what to say. And so for those of you that have a copy of the book on page 64, uh, he talks about, <laughs> I'm sorry, I do this for all my readers. All right, you know
2: that you the book better than I do now, I think at this point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll coach you through it. Um, five profitable target market attributes. And one of the mm-hmm. things that is lovely about the way you've written is that you have it so linear step-by-step that mm-hmm. the do-it-yourselfer can totally go through your book, mm-hmm. through your course. And if they have that stumbling block, then you're there with strategic, mm-hmm. You know sessions that people can sign up for, um, mm-hmm. but you really are going after one target at a time. So, it kind of share with us where you see people blending the message, trying to do too much too fast. Can you share a few examples?
2: Yeah. So, um, so the the most important thing I think when when you're when you're thinking about creating a business or positioning your business. I'm actually going to take you to another part of the book. It's actually near the end of the book, where you know, first of all, what 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 problem does your product service offering solve?
1: That would now, be page seventy nine. Just to let you know, that was the next question. Thank you. Well, <laughs> so you I, did great. I, just move to the right section there. Well, Good job. I, I start
2: I start with that because a lot of people don't think in those terms, but it's important. See, chapter three in the book happens to be the neuroscience of relevance and. So I did a little bit of study on brain science, which hurt my brain, but nonetheless, I, and I had three neuroscientists (laughs) review what I wrote to make sure Oh, dear
1: heavens.
2: (laughs) And so, so six times a second, uh, everybody's brain, you know, pretty much unconsciously, automatically, six times a second, the brain's going, where am I? Am I safe? Where am I? Am I safe? And about three times a second, the brain is going, is there an opportunity? So the brain loves opportunity, loves to take advantage of opportunity- but only when it feels safe. So what does that mean in terms of our messaging? It means that on the forefront of the brain is feeling safe. Second to that is opportunity. So we usually in our messaging, we want to lead with the problems we solve. We want to, I'm going to give you a big word here. One of the most powerful words you can think about in terms of developing your messaging And that is empathy. And what empathy simply means appreciation for, understanding and appreciation for someone's situation. And so when you target a market, when you narrow your focus a little bit, obviously, you're going to have more appreciation. You're going to be able to to message that appreciation better. People want to feel understood. They want to feel a sense that you have a sense of who they are when you reach out to them. If you just do, you know, cold reach out and or if you're using LinkedIn or whatever it is, copy paste, copy, paste, same message to everybody, with no empathy for their situation, people aren't going to pay attention, right? That the brain's looking for something that's relevant. And, uh, and and so, therefore, we usually start with, you know, we understand this is a challenge or, you know, is this your biggest challenge or you've seen messaging like this, if this or this or this is a challenge, you know, we should probably talk. And and then you can talk about the opportunity. Then you can talk about which is really the flip side of solving the problems. And so uh, Michael Scott, uh, actually much later in the book, talks about the difference between an aspirational problem, and a critical problem. So an aspirational problem is something that people, yeah, they want to solve. Maybe someday they'll figure it out. Yeah, maybe someday I'll eat better. Yeah, maybe someday I'll I'll do a cleanse. Yeah, maybe someday I'll do this, I'll do that, right? It's aspirational. And most people don't marshal their forces, their energy, their pocketbook for, for uh, the aspirational problems as much as the critical problems. And so if you can... You want to build your business around problems, issues that people feel critical. They, they really need to do something about this and they know they need to do it. Now, that's not always possible. So sometimes we have to have a conversation with them where we have to help them see that what they thought was aspirational is actually critical. Um, we have to educate them a little bit, but that's where we're headed, right? We're headed towards, you know, people will spend the energy, the time, the dollars to, to fix a problem. And so that's usually where we where we want to start in terms of our messaging and our value proposition.
1: Well, do you have a you talked about aspirational problems and that mm-hmm. is sometimes an area that you kind of have to guide somebody to seeing that they well, eventually we'll move into a critical problem. And that's for a lot of folks that are like in the financial arena, taxes, sure. you know, a lot of yeah. money. And I started off as a financial first responder, helping people into mm-hmm. debt-free living. And I found myself having to have a lot of those types of conversations. Right. When do you feel it is appropriate for a business to move out of just speaking in the critical terms and moving into more aspirational challenges that they can
2: solve? Right. Well, I, I I actually do both and I I do both uh, almost simultaneously. I I just lead usually with the problem, the concern, what, you know, what's not working as well as you'd like it to work. Uh, You know, I'll usually start when I talk to people on the phone or zoom or whatever, I'll, I'll, I want to find out what is working. You know, I want them to feel good and tell me something that's working for them and compliment and, and all that so that 's always a good place to start, and then I'll, and then you kind of earn the right and you'd be a good listener, and then you earn the right to talk about well, you know where do you get stuck if you could there 's lots of ways to do this if you wave a magic wand, you know what would be different, or you know in your process what what isn 't working as well as you 'd like it to be um, and you know what 's the major complaint here, and then you start to dig into that a little bit. And you want to explore, you want to learn that, be very careful. And, and new business owners and, and folks uh, who sell different types of products and services, often, you know, they hear the problem, but it's, it's at the surface, but they want to jump in and fix it. And you want to resist that. Oh, you want to lose more weight? Oh, you want to fix this? You, oh, oh, we got it. We got, it. We got, a, we got a great tool that will help you. With it. No, hang in there a little bit. Tell me more about that. These are great, three great words that I've learned a long time ago. Tell me more, right? When someone tells you about a complaint, the problem, something they wouldn't mind fixing, tell me a little more about that. How's that showing up for you? What is it looking like? Right. Uh, And it could, you know, how's your, how's your spouse or partner feel about that? There's lots of different ways to explore that, but you want them to get in touch. You want to be good, empathetic listener. Uh, you want to see how it's impacting them. You know what does that what does that look for you on a, look like on a day to day basis, um, and it's it's what's known as the impact of the problem, right? And then now you're at a place where they're more likely to listen to you as someone who might have a solution for them, uh, rather than just staying at the surface you always want to dig a little deeper and you'll stand out and you'll be a good listener to do that. And, and, and people will appreciate that about you.
1: And that seems to be a recurring theme, not only Mm -hmm. in your book, but throughout the quotes that you had, because Mm -hmm. uh, the one that I really liked toward the end of the book was asking great questions will make you more money than merely answering questions. And so you kind of highlighted a little bit on that, but one of the things you kept saying, and I, Uh, in the book was go deeper, go deeper with your questions. So tell me a little bit more. And there's almost like a two or three step process where you're digging down into finding out what is the core situation for somebody. Is that how you see it? Or is that kind of a model that works for you?
2: Yeah, it's kind of a general model. I mean, every situation is a little different. Um, Some people, you know, they'll bleed all over you. Uh, you know, if you say, tell me more and you don't have to do much work, other people, sometimes, you know, you gotta, you gotta dig a little, you know, how does, what does that show up? What does that look like? How, how, how does that resonate with you? You know, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, just this, this thing about asking questions will make you more money than, than answering. Think about, you know, what, what Google is about, uh, whether you like Google or not, you know, uh, It's about people asking questions. That's how they make their money. People ask questions. And so what happens, of course, when you ask questions is you learn and you put yourself in a position to help people better. Radical Relevance, the title of the book, is actually about context. The more context you have about your prospective client or your current client, the better you can serve them, the more effective your messaging is going to be. Everything gets better so that 's why um, you, you should never reach out never ever ever reach out to anyone cold um, Now, I teach a lot of folks how to get referrals and how to get introduced, and so there's kind of two types of research you can do before you reach out to someone one is 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 cold research, which you can do with anybody, and that's you you know you google them you look them up on on linkedin and 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 all the various ways you can. Uh, find some information about them. And that's great. And you can learn some really nice things that will help you in that empathy and that messaging. Uh, but then there's the warm research that can only come from someone who knows them. And that's why referrals and introductions are so powerful because not only are you using the borrowed trust of that introduction, but you're learning about this, this perspective client from that person and you're getting a kind of a heads up around their personality and maybe what their problem is and, what their context is. And again, the more context you have about someone, the better your messaging gonna, is going to be. So they will then pay attention to the message. And then you can start a nice conversation. Uh, everybody gets you know, LinkedIn connections and emails from people that have no clue what we do. And we usually ignore those. But if you know, for me, if they said, hey, Bill, I read your blog on this. And I really liked what you said about that. You know what? They just earned the right to a little conversation with me just because they took the time to to do a little something and demonstrate it to me. And so that that's you know that's relevance. That's that's context. That's empathy.
1: And that's putting a little bit of time into somebody that you think is worth your time. It says a lot, especially if they are reading your articles or read a book well, or something along those lines.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd rather reach out to... You know, five people with something relevant then twenty people with, you know, something that may or may not be relevant to them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people respond when you're relevant. People just ignore you when you're not, and nobody wants to be ignored.
1: Yeah, we we work really hard not to be ignored as business right. people. <laughs> and so we're kind of coming up on toward the mm-hmm. end here, and I want to make sure that listeners know exactly where to go. Uh, I know your book is available on a wide ver- uh, variety of platforms, but also mm-hmm. where did they go about to get a hold of you or to learn more about what it is that you're digging into? Because you have several areas. You help people with referrals. You help people be relevant. You help mm-hmm. with marketing. Where would you like folks to go to learn more?
2: Well, if you don't mind, I'll give you three places. And uh, one is uh, uh, radicalrelevancebook.com right? And they can, there's a little fun video there about the book and you might appreciate that. And then from there, you can decide if you want to get the book and audio, Kindle, whatever. So that's radicalrelevancebook.com. We also have a a ton of free resources uh, that just about anybody I think could take advantage of free operative word, uh, referralcoach.com forward slash resources, referralcoach.com forward slash resources. You can sign up for our weekly tips, lots of videos, reports, audios, all kinds of good stuff there, and of course, that says that you know referralcoach.com is the is our main website. So any one of those places, come into my world, shoot me a message, let me know how I can be of service.
1: And thank you very much for your time today, because I know how busy that you are. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for being with us and helping coach thriving solopreneurs who want to be a little bit better at what they do through referrals and prospecting. And thank you for helping us do that.
2: Oh, my pleasure.
1: All right. Have a great day, everyone. And this is Janine Bolin with The Thriving Solopreneur, where we are looking out for your best interests.
0: Thank you for listening to The Thriving Solopreneur Show. We hope you found this episode helpful and uplifting. Be sure to visit us at JanineBolland.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find a library of videos, books, and podcast programs to guide you to the future you envision for yourself. We also ask that you visit our sponsor, The8Gates.com, for the books and online courses that share with you the debt-free living lifestyle that allows business owners like yourself to flourish. Have a great day, and see you next time.